This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. At the beginning of the year, the Office of Veterans Affairs began processing claims related to the PACT Act. PACT Act, a piece of legislation that expands health care for veterans exposed to burn pits, Agent Orange, and other toxic, toxic substances. It will empower the VA to deliver the care and the benefits to millions of veterans who were exposed to the toxic substances while in the military and their survivors. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. The legislature today is our nightly show about current legislative session. On Fridays, we like to invite reporters from other news organizations to discuss what they saw. This week, Stephen Allen Adams from Ogden Newspapers joined Randy Yowie and Chris Schultz in the studio. Well, let's start out with the big elephant in the room, and that's tax reform. I mean, Governor Justice is on his second statewide tour, now promoting what he and the House have been aligned at a 50% tax cut, graduated over the next three years. But yesterday, President Blair said we got to prioritize expenses, that an income tax cut would decrease general revenue by $162 million in fiscal 23 and a billion dollars or more in fiscal 24. So what's the Senate going to propose? Well, that's interesting. They have talked about, and they haven't released any details on what they're doing, but they kind of want to do, kind of want up the governor in a way. They want to do a 50% cut in the personal income tax in year one. Now, I asked whether that's going to be retroactive to January, the beginning of the tax year. They don't know yet, and there's a lot they don't know in regards to how that's going to work. It'll be interesting to see what they propose because they've raised concerns, as you just talked about, A, about expenses, and B, they believe that the governor's plan might be a little bit too uh, aggressive, I think is the word that I've heard used by a few. And there's a real concern about how that's going to impact future revenue and future budgets. But if you're going to do 50%... In one year versus 30 plus 10 plus 10, which is the governor's plan, I don't know how the Senate plan would be less uh, fiscally irresponsible than the governor's. We'll just have to see what that looks like. And Eric Carr told me they're still going to try to incorporate elements from Amendment 2, which is reducing that personal property tax on business and inventory, but slip it in as a rebate. And then maybe even rebate as well the vehicle tax. Now, Chris, I know that you talked to Sean O'Leary, uh, a, a policy analyst. Who's he with and what did he say? With the West Virginia Center on Policy and Budget. And what he told us is, is exactly what Stephen just kind of outlined, that they're very concerned about the impact of this cut moving forward. If you look three years down the road when you have that full 50% cut, that's a quarter of the state's budget that's gone. And so, you know, we've heard the governor talk about creating this essentially a second rainy day fund using um, federal money from the from the COVID uh, emergency. But the concern there is, is that uh, a lot of these people are saying, and, and the West Virginia Center on Budget and Policy included, are saying that we should be using that money on investments. We should be using that money on expenditures right now while we have it, because we don't know the next time that we're going to have this money. Um, so their big thing is, is that reduction in revenue, because that's really going to be um, a sticking point, and, and we're not sure when or if you're going to be able to get that revenue back. And, and we know that the feud continues, if you will, between the Senate and the executive branch. And you have an idea of how this all may 
uh, roll out at the end of the session? Well, yes and no. I mean, the problem that we're seeing, seeing right now is the Senate and the governor are not talking to each other, at least from what I understand, at least not talking to leadership. Uh, I'm also concerned from what I've talked to with some lawmakers behind the scenes that the House and the Senate are not really talking to each other, at least to the, the leadership of the finance committees. That's a real concern as well. And, of course, we're only about a quarter of the way through the legislative session. There's time to work a lot of this stuff out and come up with a compromise. But, I mean, you're asking me today if that vote uh, were to happen in the Senate. I don't know that uh, it would go through, certainly not the way that the governor proposes it and the way the House does. And the House seems to be on the same page as the governor. But there's not a lot of communication going on right now. And that doesn't bode well uh, for trying to come up either with a plan that the governor will be uh, like, or even a plan that the House and the Senate can override a veto for and, and get through on their own. We'll be watching next week. I mean, this is going to continue evolving as we speak throughout the session, and we're a third of the way through. On we? Monday, that's right. Yep. Um, campus carry, that's the other big elephant in the room, and I guess I should quit using that term. But uh, so far, most of the major and minor colleges and universities throughout West Virginia say, no, we don't want it. What's your guys' take? Well, I've been watching the, uh, of course, there's been a couple bills that have come through. Campus carries the main one, which we're waiting to see uh, where it's going to go, what's going to happen over on the House side, because it certainly got a more, I would say, more conservative, smaller group within the Republican majority that may be very well be inclined for trying to take off some of the restrictions that were in the bill as the Senate passed it over, including the limitations on sporting events, uh, lockers uh, in the dorms, things of that nature. We could see some limitations uh, taken off of, uh, off of that by that more conservative group. So the real interesting debate will be whether it gets on the committee agenda, and especially when it gets on the floor, what will happen? We know that the presidents of both Marshall and University have asked them to keep the bill intact. We'll see if that happens. That was Stephen Allen Adams from Ogden Newspapers in the studio with Randy Yoey and Chris Schultz from the legislature today. Tune in every night at 6 p.m. to follow what's going on at the Capitol. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 7.50. Mostly cloudy skies today, scattered light rain with highs in the 40s and 50s. A winter weather advisory tonight through tomorrow morning. In the southwest and eastern mountains, rain, sleet, or snow tonight with lows in the 20s and 30s. Tonight, mostly cloudy, or tomorrow rather, mostly cloudy. Chance of a wintry mix, highs in the 30s. Support for the weather forecast is provided by the attorneys at Torres Save a Law, representing firefighters, police officers, and West Virginia families. Information at TorresSaveAlaw.com. Make a pledge of $13 a month and we'll say thank you with a box of Hall's chocolates. Just call 1-800-RADIO-87 or go to WVPublic.org. 
Starting at the beginning of the year, the Office of Veterans Affairs began processing claims related to the PACT Act, a piece of legislation that expands health care for veterans exposed to burn pits, ancient orange, and other toxic substances. Shepard Snyder spoke with Patrick Zodervan, acting director of the Huntington VA Regional Office, on what that means for West Virginia veterans. For those who might not know, can you tell me a little bit about what the PACT Act is and how it affects veterans' health care? Absolutely. The, the PACT Act is a historic new law that expands VA health care and benefits for veterans exposed to burn pits and other toxic substances. This law helps us to provide generations of veterans and their survivors with the care and the benefits they've earned. This is perhaps the largest expansion of the veterans' benefit in history, and it will empower VA to deliver care and benefits to millions of veterans who were exposed to toxic substances in the military. And uh, again, just for those who might not know, what sort of happens to folks sort of as a result of this kind of exposure to burn pits and Agent Orange and kind of other toxic substances like that? When veterans served our country, many of them were exposed to toxic hazards, things like toxic air, radiation, smoke, Agent Orange, burn pits, and other environmental hazards. Depending on a variety of factors, a person may experience health effects related to this exposure. Things like waste burned, uh, proximity, amount of time and frequency of exposure, perhaps things like wind direction and other you know, weather-related factors, and the presence of other airborne or environmental hazards in the area. Gotcha. Now, historically, I kind of want to kind of get into the context of the PACT Act and kind of what it is a little bit more. Why is this piece of legislation so important and why does it kind of matter for veterans and the families of veterans who are kind of benefiting from this piece of legislation? So, again, it it will empower the VA to deliver the care and the benefits to millions of veterans who were exposed to the toxic substances while in the military and their survivors. Uh, When a veteran files for a VA disability claim, They can provide supporting evidence that their disability is connected to the military service. Uh, For many health conditions, veterans need to provide evidence such as medical records, supporting statements, uh, et cetera, to prove that their military service caused the condition. But the PACT Act expands benefits for veterans exposed to burn pits, Agent Orange, and other toxic substances and adds a list of health conditions that the VA can now automatically assume or presume are caused by exposure to these substances and remove that burden for the veteran. Additionally, with the PACT Act, veterans and their survivors can get toxic exposure-related benefits and health care that they have earned. How commonplace were some of these exposures to burn pits and Agent Orange in some of these conflicts, like uh, Vietnam and the Gulf War and, I believe, Iraq and Afghanistan? So there there were millions and millions of veterans who may have been affected by these uh, toxic exposures. And, you know, each veteran's scenario will be different depending on where they were deployed or where they were exposed. Um, So that's why it's important that veterans file their claim as soon as possible and that we have the opportunity to review their records to determine if they're eligible for any sort of uh, disability compensation or additional health benefits. Kind of localizing that number to West Virginia, you mentioned millions of veterans were impacted by this. How many veterans in West Virginia are there? How many have fought in conflicts like the Gulf War or Vietnam, and how many veterans are eligible for compensation here in the state? So uh, there are currently 135,190 
veterans living in West Virginia. And of those 99,994 are wartime veterans and 35,196 are peacetime veterans. So about 44% of them served in the Gulf War, about 45% of them served in Vietnam, about 8% in the Korean conflict, and about 2% of them served in World War II. Can you talk again about um, where veterans might be able to apply and claim these benefits? Veterans can go to www.va.gov forward slash PACT and find a lot more information about the PACT Act and how to file a claim. Again, they can also call us at 1-800-MY-VA-411, which is 1-800-698-2411. There they can learn more about this bill and what it means for them and their families. Before we kind of end things off here, was there anything else you wanted to mention in closing that we didn't get to otherwise? Absolutely. Thank you, um, Shepard. What I'd like to state is first, we at the VA want to apply, want you as veterans to apply for the PACT Act benefits and care right now. Second, VA will begin processing most of our PACT Act related claims benefits on January 1st, so we've already started this two weeks ago. Uh, that the, that it was the earliest date that we could start processing processing these claims. Uh, if you apply for the PACT Act related benefits before August of next year or of this year, 2023, then your benefits will be backdated to August of 2022. So you get you need to get your claims in as soon as you can. Uh, third, some more veterans are worried that applying for PACT Act benefits will perhaps impact their current benefits. But the truth is, if you file a claim, there's a 97% chance that your benefits will either increase or stay the same. So they don't need to really worry and wait. They need to apply as soon as possible, preferably today. Uh, fourth, there are people out there who will try to convince veterans that they need to pay someone or use a lawyer to apply for VA benefits. But that's not true. Applying for the PACT Act benefits is 100% free. It's easy. And you can do it by working directly with the VA or with a veteran service organization. That was Huntington VA Office Acting Director Patrick Zodervan talking to Shepard Snyder about the PACT Act. Veterans interested in filing a claim can visit va.com forward slash PACT or call 1-800-698-2411.